welcome back to a COVID edition of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined as always by Jake, aka Hal Brutius, aka Hal. Get your fucking vaccines, and your boosters as well. Yeah, three Thank shots. I've only had two, but I'm boosted, so it's all that matters. Shout out to the J and J. Yeah, you're a J and J. I actually have not been able to get my booster yet, which See, pisses that was me the off. Upside of the J and J was that I was able to get the booster way ahead of everyone else. You got to avoid all this chaos. Yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting on mine. Two shots. Two Pfizer shots. So I'm still feeling good because the Pfizer's. So. <laughs> yeah, I went what? Johnson Johnson and Moderna now. I'm just, whatever whatever they give me, I'm taking. If, if, if you're going to take two shots, they better be two Steph Curry shots. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So anyways, on that note, um, the entire league is sick with COVID pretty much. Uh, Christmas Day games are in question, I would say. Fucked! Uh, Christmas Day games yeah. are fucked. So Christmas is ruined for everyone sitting at home. Um, Detroit has finally joined the COVID party. That is the sort of breaking news of the hour. Uh, it sounds like in addition to Cade Cunningham, who came out a couple days ago, um, testing positive for COVID. Uh, now we have what Killian, Saban Lee, and Stu all tested positive for COVID. I think so. Yeah. In addition to the players that were already out, correct. Uh, mainly Jeremy, who I don't know if we talked about him being out. Um, since our last pod. And then, uh, of course, uh, what's his name? Father, what's his yeah. name? Who am I? Kelly. Father Kelly. Kelly. Who has been out for a while, but maybe he might be coming back soon, I would imagine. I think it's... He should it's be pretty close. Whatever weeks is up. And then uh, Isaiah Livers is also Which out. he's been out for this entire year, I believe, right? No, he played uh, a game two oh. games ago. He played like six minutes. It's one of the ones that Rex Kalamian coached. Is it the... Um, it wasn't the Heat game. Pacers, maybe? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like it was the Pacers game. Because it was Pacers, Heat, and then... Rockets were in there as well. Whatever this most recent one was. Most recent one was... Pacers, Heat, Rockets? No, 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 no. It was what? Pacers, Rockets, Heat, Knicks. Knicks. Yeah. So he had... Yeah, he was in for four minutes um, against the Pacers. This is quality podcasting here. Right, yes. And missed two shots, but... The one, the one thing, the one, like, Isaiah Livers' takeaway was that he played the four, and actually I think he, like, made some rotations at the five, and, like, didn't look like he was getting, like, dwarfed. Like, he did, in fact, look like an NBA body, and he was moving I mean, all right, so. Both of us watched, of course, um, a lot of him in college. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have as well. He looked always like an NBA player. Like, he always had the skill set, so especially seeing him be able to. Well, I, I was just curious, like, was he actually going to have the lateral agility and stuff like I just I wasn't totally sure because he was never like an isolation defender guy. He was always a, uh, you know, just like a really smart team defender, right? Really consistent, but he wasn't like a stopper kind of player. So I just I wasn't sure where that would translate to. And it seems like he's getting minutes at the four, and he, you know, he looked like his, you know, the Jay Crowder type player that you mm-hmm. were kind of hoping he'd be. And so, um, you know, obviously he's got to hit shots and whatnot, but that's pretty good. Yep. I'm happy with that. So looking at. Hopefully he's not, like, hurt again. I, I'm assuming he's out for, like, rest reasons right now, yeah. but I don't know. We might see some of him. Uh, tonight the Pistons play um, at the Heat. We're not going to be able to get this posted by then, so if there's anything crazy that happens, be aware that we were... Uh... Recorded before, released after? <laughs> I would... I I probably am not clipping this Heat game, because guess what? I don't like anybody yeah, this that's This is playing. not going to be a fun game. No, I take that back. Frank Jackson's playing. I like Frank Jackson. This is... And Sadiq Bay is playing. I do still I like Sadiq Bay. I don't know who's playing on Heat, honestly. But other than that... It's not going to be a fun one. <laughs> no. I think my favorite player on the court right now is Duncan Robinson. It's not a great look. I'm not entirely surprised by that one. Is, uh... What's his face still playing? Is Tyler Hero? He's still healthy? I think he's yeah. back, actually, now. He's been when your favorite. For a while. And when Bam your favorite, uh, Bam's out. And I think Jimmy's Butler out. Is still out. I have them both in my fans' team, so I'm well aware of that. But when our favorite guy is going into a game is two white dudes... Then not the same white dude, especially. It's not a good sign. Unless we're watching, like... Wait, you yeah, like Tyler like Hero? Him. You're a Tyler Hero guy? I liked, yeah. him, I liked him back in college, so yeah. that's why. Like, that run he had in the tournament was fun to watch. He wasn't good I didn't say he was good. I said he was fun. <laughs> I don't have to root for good players. I root for fun players. I mean, he had he had a class... He, he was, like, one of the classic. He and, and uh, Maxi both are like the reasons that i just like don't trust kentucky guards i mean you never know like like not that i don't trust them the reason i don't trust like scouting them like they've got a guy right now named ty ty washington who's in their program and uh he's like six three long arms 
and he's supposed to be like a really great connective player and he ain't done shit all year but i don't know how to take that because ain't nobody yeah. do shit when calipari's their coach because he recruits and then he's like you know what go play basketball and then they kind of don't and that's just somehow he still gets recruits i don't understand it that's a great question i could never answer that because he always got recruits even at even like, at what? umass even at uh memphis so well he was a good coach at that level but since like since he's become the one and done guy he ain't coached shit. I mean, it's one and done, which you can tell like, in a year. I think he's teaching them, like, here's how you manage your money. The basketball will come later. The NBA will teach you how to play basketball. Here's how Here you brand your yourself. suit selection. Here is your matching watch selection. Choose wisely. Yeah. But hey, you can't argue. It's 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 actually wild. You can't that, argue with sorry, the amount of talent that has came out there and played good in the NBA. Like, the amount of people that have turned out, whether it be, like, later draft picks, uh, like the guy on the Knicks, though I can't think of at the moment. Or like a Devin Booker, but, but the thing the thing is like, the the thing is like they were all oh, yeah. good going in. Like Tyrese Maxey was an, a player that like draft Twitter loved, and I don't no. watch high school tape. I've, I've, we've gone over this before. I don't watch high school tape, so draft Twitter is like Tyrese Maxey, and I was like, what the fuck? He doesn't do anything, and they're like, no, no, you don't understand. Tyrese Maxey. You didn't see the I was like, okay, and then he gets to the NBA, and it's like, oh look, if you let Tyrese Maxey dribble with shooters around him, he's fucking awesome. At Kentucky, it was like, what if we put Tyrese Max at the elbow and he just yeah. stood there? <laughs> it was like, okay. I mean, so yeah, we'll we'll do more draft content stuff later in this year, and um, yeah, you just I've been very open about this. I would never ever ever let my kid go to Kentucky because Calipari's not a good coach, and we all see this. <laughs> And we all can, like, you can get drafted if you go to other places. Like, I don't know why you would choose Calipari over Duke, over Michigan, over Michigan State, over, uh, like, even going down to, like, Auburn, play for Bruce Pearl. You won't be able to play in the tournament because he's going to (laughs) cheat. But at least you'll get And you'll have a fun time doing it. Bruce Pearl is the definition of fun. (laughs) All right. We we have plenty of time to talk draft uh, later this year. Let's talk about some more bad basketball. All right. Well, let's let's finish rounding up the news. The Pistons have Woo! won a game since we last talked. I just blew up my levels on that one. Uh, the uh, Jeremy, I think, has been hurt since yep. we last talked. We can talk about a little um, more in depth on that one. And COVID sucks. That's that's the news. The news continues to just be COVID, COVID, mm-hmm. COVID, COVID. Just Omicron, across the board, whether it's sports, Delta. news, entertainment, everything is back to COVID again. That's the headline. Unfortunately. I wish I had better news on that front. Just get the booster, get the vaccine. The usual stuff we've been saying. And it's uh, bouncing back to draft stuff here for just a second. It's been like a big pain in the ass um, because we've seen in like the draft process, it's affecting guys. Like it's affecting development processes very badly and very noticeably for certain players where they did not get their high school senior season. They didn't get mm-hmm. their junior season, which are usually where major developmental leaps are made. Didn't happen, right? You look at someone like Killian Hayes. I don't know. Like, he's had a lot of issues that were not COVID-related, but I don't know how much that's impacted his development in a time when he desperately needed development, right? He came into the NBA in a COVID season, and right. Uh, same with, with mm-hmm. Seku, right? His, like, the offseason that Seku desperately needed to be coached in was an offseason he didn't have because of COVID. And we're trending very aggressively towards not having these seasons again. right? Your high schools are going to start shutting sports down real quick if this gets any worse. Mm, maybe. I've, <laughs> I think a lot of... They're already sending kids home. Like <laughs> I mean, true, but it is during the break. I think what we see when uh, kids come back to school in January will be indicative of how the rest of the spring will go. You mean after all the kids went on vacation and came back with some and flu-like came and visited symptoms. all their family from out of town? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I agree with that entirely. Yeah, get your goddamn shots and wear a fucking yep. mask, people. DC had a nice. We got rid of the mask oh. mandate after Thanksgiving, and it lasted a whole like four weeks, <laughs> and it's back. <laughs> yep, it's back. Yeah. All right, basketball, basketball, basketball. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, we can talk about stuff. Jeremy getting hurt. That's I would say the biggest thing for the Pistons because. He's going to be out until what, like February, like nearabouts the trade deadline, and he's 
Well, and you you mm-hmm. you hit on it right there. This is kind of an interesting timing because he's going to be due to be reevaluated basically the first week of February, and the deadline is the fifteenth. Something in the middle of the month. I don't know the exact date, but something like the fifteenth. So, so, right. It's the second week of February, I think the twelfth. Yeah. So you just there will be questions now of if Jeremy comes back, or if, let's say he gets reevaluated, you know, before then, and they have to say, hey. He's going to be out another three weeks, you know, before this fully heals. Totally plausible mm-hmm. thing to have happen. Um, you know, he comes back. He's going to be shooting a little rusty. You know, there are teams out there that absolutely wanted Jeremy Grant. The Pistons are definitely listening to offers right now. That's That was reported. I mean. But if you're a team like Philadelphia, and you're like, you know what? That was going to be the guy. We were going to, like, maybe we were going to send Ben Simmons somewhere, and we were going to wrap Jeremy Grant into the return, and, you know, the Pistons would get yeah, something else. Something and, like... That was a, there was a, a concept there that made sense right up until it was like okay well Jeremy Grant's gonna have like fifteen real games to integrate with our team and then we've mm-hmm. got to go to the playoffs. If that's you know if if he gets the whole season after the deadline that's like forty games something like that. All right, we can work with that. If it's you know down under thirty, down under twenty five games, and you have to integrate a guy into your offense and then into your playoff you know picture and you haven't played with him yet. That, you know, you're asking a lot. That being said, though, I don't think it means that he can't be traded at all. Because it's not like he had, like, a knee surgery or something a little more severe. Thumb surgery, while important, you can still kind of get up to speed a little bit. You can get a feel of the offense, even if you're not going to be shooting through it. Or if you're playing with the, or shooting through the brace in practice. We're talking about a guy whose efficiency is plummeted. (laughs) There are definitely the downsides to trading for Jeremy Grant on show notice. No, I agree with that. But I'm saying, I don't think it's impossible that a team could trade for him, even with the injury. What I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying the likelihood the, has gone down. That's for sure. You know, I agree with that. The the likelihood's gone down. I think some of the. I I think you are more likely to trade him to a team that's looking at what they can do with him next year, like the team that's that's, um, someone like the Hawks, where I don't think the Hawks think they're title contenders this year, but they might think that with Jeremy Grant, you know, next year integrated maybe they make their push right like that's the kind of logic where it's like we're going to draft and we're going to get the integration period out of the way this season so mm-hmm. that we can go in firing next year kind of like the the way uh, aaron gordon did with the nuggets right it was kind of like well this will work when jamal murray's back next season but we'll get you some time with with Jokic to to get acclimated to our team here that kind of situation i think is still on the table i think the situation where it's like we need rasheed wallace to help yeah. us win a title this year i don't think 100%. that happens I don't. I don't think teams are buying that quite as much. So I think it definitely affects the trade value. That said, again, I think the most likely scenario, trade scenario, was wrapping him into a bigger like Ben Simmons deal as a piece because his twenty million dollars salary is kind of a funky. Yeah, it's like it's space it's not overpaid, and yet it's still very tradable and very easy to get. You can package him with another player, and boom, you can get everyone. So he's he's got a very malleable contract because exactly. can, he can go up to. Be traded for up to yeah, 25 I think uh, 1.25, yeah, 1.25 percent, and down da- and down to and down to 15. Mm-hmm. So he can cover a very wide range of, of deals and packages. If yeah, exactly. It kind of goes from you can get him for like someone who's just under a max level, or obviously package him easily with someone else to get to that max level. Or on the flip side of it, if you're trading for like a young guy on a rookie deal, it's you can get a young guy plus another like middling asset, like a mid-level exception guy. And boom, that's a trade right there. Not to add any other, you know, weird parts or anything else. So right, he's got a very tradable contract. And shout out to Troy Weaver for signing him for that because it has worked out perfectly for us. Oh. Um, cool. in that same vein, then I guess we got to talk about the way that's kind of affected the starting though, lineup. Real quick, before um, we get to that, and still okay. talking about the trade value. In addition to obviously, you know, the trade value decreasing of him like not having the time to flow with another team. He has his injury. He won't be able to, you know, fit right in immediately. Or if you traded him now, he won't be able to play for a while. The flip side of that coin that also lowers his value is that he's not playing in these games and he's not increasing his value. If you have a Jeremy Grant who's coming out for a month straight and shooting very efficiently and looking a lot, uh, you know, like he did at the beginning of last year, then his value is going to go up even higher than what it was at prior to this injury. So that's another thing to put into perspective as well is the potential value that could have gone up that is now waste away. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much teams are going to like. It feels like around the league, everyone just kind of has been like, yeah, he's a third option guy being asked to do yeah. too much, right? Like when I listen to like other people talk about him on like national podcasts and stuff, that kind of seems to be the vibe. So I think teams probably recognize that like 
his production is down because this isn't what he should be doing. But you know, I think you're right in saying that like if he had a 12 game streak of you know 50, 40, 90 production again, yeah, if he gets hot and just has a stretch where he wins games for the Pistons, then yeah, his trade value is going to go up. It's simple as that, and I think it isn't something that would have been impossible to see. Like you could have easily seen him going out and having a week where he's just in fuego from three and we win a couple games we shouldn't have. And all of a sudden people say like, hey, you know, maybe he could be the second best player on a team. The way he can play defensively when he's locked in, the way he can score offensively. So we're losing out on that. But that being said, I still think, and as much as it pains me to say this, the most optimal time to trade a Jeremy Grant is probably going to be at this trade deadline. It's not going to be in the offseason. It's not going to be next trade deadline when he's, you know, on an expiring deal. So I, I think the one benefit you get if you trade him in the offseason is you probably have a much better idea of what the pick values are you're I trading mean, him for. I mean, true, but I think if you're the Pistons right now, you're fine gambling on a pick. And I think for the most I, I think for the most part that's a benefit. Like sometimes that's a that's a negative because like sometimes you're trading a guy and you trade him to a team that's like you they think they're going to have the 25th pick and you think they're going to have the 15th pick and you you know you kind of get some wiggle room there. I think right now the Pistons basically want to guarantee the highest picks I possible. Mean, and I think if you trade it, if you were to trade him after the lottery, that's kind of a benefit to be like, yeah, you're going to give us that 14. Well, that's why you protect the pick. You know, we don't that's, want the 20. You can argue about the protections you know? all day long in the trades. So it's not like you're just trading it for a first round pick and it could be anywhere. You can trade for a lottery protected first well, round pick. You, you, you say that, but I, I would push back and say that, like, yeah, you can argue protections, but protections then run the risk of the pick. But then you get it at a later year. And maybe a team is worse, so maybe a team is like, better. So there's a lot more risk I'm a gambler. There. I want to go for the riskier thing than the guaranteed thing at the offseason. Because I think the value is higher right now. I, That's the I, way I'm looking at it. I, I'm a I'm a gambler too. I just like to fix the odds in my favor. <laughs> I, I prefer well, to be yeah, the house. Yeah, but you're never going to be the house in this trade. <laughs> Unless you're... I think you are though. I think I think you have an asset that is uniquely situated right now. And that it's very productive. Even on a down season... Compared to last year, yeah. Jeremy Grant's a very productive, very valuable asset that is severely underpaid compared to what he will make next no, chance. I agree with that. So if you're a team right now that that it needs you know a big leap and doesn't have cap space, this is a very rare. These contracts do not come along very often anymore because the twenty million dollar range is basically centers. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really like this. It's a, I think it's a very interesting amount of leverage you have here yeah for a 3 and d um, wing there's not many that have jeremy's ability going for 20 mil i agree with that but my thing is so so i just like i think you do have leverage and i think you should use it you know i think i, I don't think this is a situation where you should just be like ah you know what that is the best offer we've had well, well t- like no no you you don't want to give me what i want well, well wait I'm to saying, the off you, season but your value you don't goes me what down I want the then? off season because well, instead of getting you know this playoff run plus next year all of a sudden you're just getting one year I don't think teams are going to worry about having an integration period in the offseason. you got 82 games. I'm just, I'm I'm just saying, if you go to like a that. team like the Hawks, like you said, right now outside the playoff picture, I think they're outside of even the... the uh, are the Hawks outside the playoff they picture? Are not, they God. have not been good so far. Them and the Knicks have really underperformed. But say you trade into someone like the Hawks, and you get mm. you know a lottery protected, and they protect at top three. And they expect, all right, we're going to be good... You know, this year, and then the protections get worse, and they gamble, hey, we're going to get Jeremy Grant, we're going to improve, but then something happens to Trey Young, and all of a sudden you're getting, you know, a top 10 pick. Like, that's where I'm, that's where I'm saying where maybe but you can I, get a like, better deal like, at the trade. That's, that's gambling. gambling. That, that's, that's bad gambling, though. Because Would you, you know, rather have that like, or, like, the 25th like, oh, pick at, at the deadline, or at, but, the, uh, at the draft? But see, like you're saying, you're being like, ah, well, you know, they 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 have the 18, and maybe you get the 12. Like they think they're gonna have the 18, and you get the 12. But like, I can probably just trade for the 12. Uh, like I think you have the leverage to just on be an like, expiring give me contract. The good I don't think you can get that high. I don't like late lottery is a little bit harder to get for someone like a Jeremy Grant. I feel like it depends on who's in it. I think if you were to, I think if I think if they'd made him available last year, the Warriors would have. I mean, yeah, the Warriors were kind of a special case. I feel like, and I think that ship has kind of sailed. So, <laughs> I, I don't have the like, I don't have someone, the draft picks like right, in front right of me, now. Is is a le- I don't have the draft what? pick like who's got what pick and who's what picks are going where. But well, like I'm looking at it right now, like Atlanta right yeah. now is 11. I think Atlanta would do that. Toronto is 12. Toronto is the wrong Toronto would do that uh, team fit for him, but like. They're the right kind of. I team think Toronto wants to tank. Minnesota's thirteen right now, but Minnesota's thirteen. Minnesota should be thinking. Minnesota about should that. be thinking about a lot of things. Like that makes a lot of sense for them. 
First of all, why do we have D'Angelo Russell? Charlotte is 14. Makes a lot of sense for Charlotte. Charlotte. I would love. Like, I think those are just I just want Charlotte to be good. Portland is 8. Completely different thing. I just want Charlotte to be good. They're so much fun to watch. They are fun. I just want them to get a center, for the love of God. They are fun. Like, Portland at 8 is, like, really interesting. Like, come on, Portland. You can definitely give me... um, Roko 2.0? You can definitely give me, like, the 8th pick for the chance to, like, save Damian (laughs) Lillard. Come on. I think that's actually My a pretty is, easy I think they pick. do it now. I don't think Portland does that at the, at the draft, though. I think they take that pick and they draft someone they want. I don't think they're going to trade for Jeremy Grant. If Dame, if Dame tells you he's going to leave in free I think agency? they already think he's going. I, I, don't know what to go, I don't know what to think with Portland right now. There's such a weird case at the moment. Especially with the new GM finally. All right, we've, All right. we've gone off track enough. Yes, yes. This, this train is now running on different tracks in the opposite direction. <laughs> um, let's, let's flip back here to the Jeremy Grant thing in terms of how it impacts the starting lineup. Uh, most notably, we've got Hamidou Hamid. Diallo Hamid. stepping into the starting lineup. And uh, Sadiq Bey now playing more of the four, kind of. He and Hami are kind of interchangeable in a, in a way that he mm-hmm. and Grant weren't. Uh, so what, what are your first takeaways? Well, the first takeaway has to be that, I mean, since jumping into that role, Sadiq has picked off, kicked off a little bit. He's gotten a little bit better shooting the ball. He's scoring more points. He's looking a yeah, but that's totally unrelated. Yeah, that's true. the headband. <laughs> he does have extenuating circumstances going on besides the, you know, the loss of Jeremy Grant. But the main thing I look to with that is that obviously with a score like Jeremy Grant being gone, you look at some of the people stepping up and I feel like, you know, Cade has stepped up a little bit, but I mean, that's kind of expected of him. He's just progressing more into the person we expected. But I feel like Sadiq in most of the games that, you know, have been played since Jeremy went out, he's looking a little bit more confident, a little bit better with the ball. So... I don't want to read too much into it because it's only been like a five-game sample size, but he does look like he's stepping up. But on the same token, so is my boy Hami. I was saying it before. I love the way that Hami's been playing this year. I feel like he's shooting the ball, he's getting good shots, and he's playing good defensively. And I feel like while he's not, I would say, had the same effort he had, you know, when he was playing spot minutes for like 15 in the game and he was kind of, you know, hustling giving it his all, I think he's still done pretty damn good. And he's looked pretty impressive. So I have... No complaints for Hami in the starting lineup, and maybe he gets, you know, some buzz the trade deadline. Maybe someone wants to trade, you know, a protected first or, you know, maybe a player that they don't want anymore, a young player that they're questioning about. Although, at the same token, Hami's young as well. He's still only 23. Like, he could still, he's still got room to improve as well. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's on the, the trade I don't block. Think yet. I don't think they hold on to him if he's the difference between, like, trading Jeremy and not trading. You know, like, I think they're willing to put him in Yeah, I think he could deals. be packaged in there. But I don't. I don't think they're actively looking for. I think my point know, is that equal exchange flips for Hami the way they were for like Svi or. Uh, I, I don't see why not. I think he's got more value, in my opinion, right now than Svi did at last year's trade deadline or whenever we traded him. Right, but but that value is going to be again another twenty-something throwaway. Like I don't think you're getting well, a, you can, a good. Player I don't think for you're him. getting. I don't think you're getting a good pick for him. So I think for the most part, they're just like, why would we throw away the 23-year-old? Well, you probably want to do like. it single-handedly, he, him being the only person in the trade, but you could add him to like a Jeremy Grant trade as a sweetener to get a better pick or take some protections off. Like, I think in the grand scheme, I think... Right. I, don't, I don't think they're opposed to it, but I don't I don't see them being like, do you want Hami? I mean, Hami? we know Troy's... I don't, I don't think that's We know Troy's affinity for Hami, so I don't, I don't expect him to be traded, but I'm saying the way he's been playing makes him an actual asset more than where he was prior, where he was just... You know, another bench guy with potential that hadn't really shown it in a while. So, he's actually showing it in games and kind of, you can see the improvement that he's made as a player, you know, over the past year or two since he had his kind of slump in OKC. I guess that's, that's, I mean, it's definitely helping his value. That's fair. I think we're also seeing the advantages of, like, this is what we wanted Seku to be able to do. Like, they've run more pick and rolls with Hami as a screener than I think we ever saw with Seku. Which is yep. insane to me. It is shocking um, to see him. But just at, like, like the, this idea, like sometimes playing the four, <laughs> I'm just like, he's big, but he's not that big. <laughs> like he's, I mean, that dude has like a seven foot Don't or like wrong, a, but. like a yeah, it's like a seven foot four wingspan. Like he has the same standing reach as like a bunch of centers. Like eight foot eleven, I think, is like the, one of the like standard standing reaches for centers for whatever reason. Every time you go to like the draft combine uh, anthropology page, you can like look at that and like. There's all these wingspan combinations and all these like body shape combinations, and they always seem to add up to like eight foot eleven. I feel like I've reach. heard this before. Just because like some guys have really broad shoulders and like uh, like Luca Garza has the same standing reach as uh, Czech Diallo, who's the guy uh, 
that they just signed on the hardship exception, and Czech Diallo is like three <laughs> inches shorter than him. But it's just like the way the shoulder widths and everything. Like, and Luca isn't actually like a T Rex. He's got like a plus two and a half yeah, wingspan, something like that. Us. But it's just like somehow the way it all works yeah. out. It's like eight foot eleven and a half or something like that. It's like both. It's just there's always like five guys every draft with that exact standing reach. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Um, but it's I think it's it's a good example, Hamius, of just like put a player in a position to succeed. Like, where does Hami have a matchup advantage? He doesn't have a matchup mm-hmm. advantage on twos. Right, he's he's bigger and longer than them, but he's not an elite enough ball handler to weaponize that, and he's not a good shooter. But you put him next to a four, like he's as big and long as half the fours, right? Like he's the same size as someone like a Jay Crowder. He's not as powerfully, like he's not as like stockily built, but like he's not surrendering a length disadvantage. But he's got a massive first step mm-hmm. advantage there. And when we see him do these things where he's bending these drives around from the corner and, you know, across like a, a mid-post screen into the lane for these, like, curly finishes he does with extension, he gets to do that because he's got a matchup advantage now that he didn't have playing the two. You know, this idea that he was, like, a two just drove me insane for years. And this is just, like, using players where they have advantages. Sometimes you don't have minutes in your rotation for a player where they have an advantage. Like, that was one of Seku's issues was like, well, we kind of need him to be a three because that's where we have a hole. And it's like, well, he's not. (laughs) Stop playing him there. Like, if you don't have the hole, send him to the G League where he can play his natural position because he's got a higher priority than someone else. Um, You know, so that's part of the roster construction thing. It's just like, now that Hami's a four, uh, when guys get healthy, he needs Mm -hmm. to stay a four. You know, if when when Jeremy Grant comes back, if he's not traded, Hami can't go back to playing the two just because Jeremy Grant is back. He may not start, but you need to think. You know what? Where did he succeed? Spaced floors as a four. That has to. You know, you have to continue. And if you can't use him like that, you trade him to somebody who can. Like you just like that's it's better for him, and you're that's how the asset's valuable. Uh, and I think that's a, a very important lesson when we look at someone like Killian, like he's not or he is a good pick and roll playmaker he is this great connective player you're probably wasting him a little bit when you're using him as like a movement shooter which has been like this strange thing they've like they've run a lot of spain pick and rolls where he's the back screener that pops free and it's like you're asking him to like gather get his feet together quickly off like a 180 degree turn and then get a shot up that's Mm -hmm. that's not him like he's he's doing really well from the corners but these movement shots especially movement shots uh, going side to side is is a lot to ask for for him. Why are you using him like that, right? Why is he not the corner guy? Why is Sadiq Bay not the the back screener in these situations? Why is Frank Jackson not? And sometimes they are, but I think this is a valuable lesson and just like use guys the way their strengths, you know, empower them and and avoid using them in the <laughs> other ways. Quick tangent: Can you name the person in the NBA right now who has the most points per thirty six minutes? And has played over 15 minutes in the NBA. It is Seku oh. Dumbuya. <laughs> <laughs> that is a random fact. Because he's, he's played yes. over 15 if you minutes. Go, if you go to 14 <laughs> minutes, then uh, my boy Isaiah Todd hasn't beat. But over 15, it's Seku. <laughs> and that's... I, I was reading that as 15 minutes per game. But you're talking 15 total. Minutes. total. <laughs> it goes... <laughs> because he got like... One game for the Lakers while they were like injured, yeah, and then he had one game where done. he had like four. He uh, was four for four, and then another game where he played. <laughs> but he, <laughs> it goes. Yeah. It's all the natural scores. It goes Seku, then Boban, then Giannis, KD, Trey Young, Jokic, Curry, and on and on and on. So just the best of the best scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the peak. Yeah, the prime cuts right there. Um. And, so we touched on Sadiq Bay, and I think there's there's some important stuff to mention there too because I think he's really. Since Jeremy has gone down, like, he stopped dribbling and trying mm-hmm. to be Jeremy Grant. And it looks <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> like, Sadiq Bey is doing Sadiq Bey stuff again, which is great. He's just kind of playing that connective wing role that you need him to be. He's shooting open looks. Uh, he's still pump faking a few of them in weird ways. But, like, we knew that you, this, like, we saw this. We knew this was good. And I don't even think it was, like, a role issue for him, um... You know, I never thought it was, like, a coaching problem with Sadiq, other than the fact that they were kind of giving him a longer leash to do stuff. It was just like, dude, you got to just be yourself. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't have to if be Chris Middleton If you could just rein the leash in a little and... bit so he's not shooting 13 threes in a game, probably be good. <laughs> I saw that. I'd send it to you the other night, and you were like, what? 
Which, that was the one last was night that? against the Knicks, or two nights ago, I guess now. Yeah, I think that was just the Knicks yeah. game being shit, yeah. to be honest with you. That game was was yeah. a mess. And part of that was, I think it was probably the worst like set play calling that the Pistons have had in a while. Uh, and it's also just like the Knicks uh, have not been as uh, as good defensively this year. Uh, they're actually like yeah. 23rd or something in defense but they do know how to like turn it up and also the pistons have no rim pressure whatsoever from any of their forwards so it was just everybody being fucking terrified of mitch robinson and noel uh, I think or Nerlens more. noel um, he was starting i know that how, how can we pry Nerlens noel i don't know why the knicks? knicks have him they have too many forwards as it is <laughs> like uh, like like what can i give you something i think there's Nerlens a lot of teams noel. that would like Nerlens noel do right you now want like do you want Corey Joseph? <laughs> I give you Corey Joseph. You They've already got enough old point guards from fair. us. We don't need to give him another one. It's not. <laughs> but like, if you're the like, Nets right now, like I would trade town, you. Like, what would you do to have Nerlens Noel right now instead of whoever they have at center right now? It's what Claxton, who I think is out with COVID, and I can't name another center on the roster. Blake Griffin. I mean, Marcus Aldridge. Technically, yes, but. <laughs> Are they doing anything defensively? I guess Paul Aldridge Millsap. is, at this point in his career, big enough to be a, a center. Aldridge yeah. has been a five for them. Uh, their their best rim protector yeah. is Kevin Durant, who is, by the way, another tangent, fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> his game against the Pistons uh, was just rude. <laughs> it was mean. There, there's still people out there who are like, I don't know about Kevin Durant. You know, he's a snake. And it's like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. He's, like, probably the best player on the planet right now. Kevin Durant is fucking yep. awesome. Stop bitching, stop moaning. He's doing it all defensively. Kevin Durant has just like randomly walked into games right now and been like, oh, you need me to score 45? Cool. You need me to get nine assists today? Cool. You need me to be a center today? Cool. I'm just going to hoop. And he does all of it like better than all but like three players in the NBA. Whatever you pick, he's fucking yep. he awesome. He is the best player in the NBA right now. And I don't think it's like Giannis can make a point, And I think. Statistically, like Giannis is probably the better player. I mean, your your, your but, MVP race is is uh, Jokic, KD, yeah. Curry. But if and I'm Giannis. taking anyone on my team right now, I'm taking KD for what he he can shoot the ball from anywhere. He's one of the best shooters in the game right now, and defensively, he brings so much to the table. Being a pretty much seven footer with just all the athletic ability in the world, like it's insane how good he is. And it's that's like even with He's all awesome. the crazy Kyrie stuff. They're still going to be the favorites when the title. I think it's fair. <laughs> like, KD is so good, and we nearly saw him go, like, single-handedly win it last year against the Bucks. I think this year is going to be a reckoning. As long as, if Harden's healthy, like, Harden, KD, it doesn't really matter past that. I like that team. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, some other things here. Uh, Miami trapped Cade Cunningham <laughs> again. And we got the, like, four-point ten assist game out of Cade, and... Um, I think it was pretty interesting that they, that Detroit just kind of was like, you know what, this is a learning experience. We're going to, like, not change and get the ball out of your hands. We're, like, going to keep feeding mm -hmm. it to Cade and making everybody play, like, 4v3 or 3v4. Yep. And do you know um, why? 4v3 do you know why we were so – why we um, won that game? It's because Cade was getting trapped, barely shot the ball, and still only had four turn four turnovers. Like, he was being good with the ball, and that was perfect. That's all you need to do there. Because that's not easy for a young guy. And it was also a game where, like, yeah, we saw, like, Isaiah Stewart having some chances to, like, do some stuff in the short roll. And he's still, I mean, Stu is processing the game at a very slow level right now. But, like, he's a willing player. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not the fastest processor, but, like, he also is a willing passer. And he is, um, you know, we saw, I think, quite a bit of positive notes from him as a short roll player. Um which is kind of interesting. I, I just I don't know what he is offensively still, but I do think it was just nice to see that. Like, and and the reason I'm I'm hesitating now is like I don't know why you would ever really trap the pick and roll right now because you don't mm -hmm. have to. Like you just let the Pistons like right you make K drive and once he gets into the paint you trap him late, right? You just come, and like Stu's not a threat at the rim, so you don't have to worry about it. So like from an X and O perspective, I think in the playoffs kind of situation where people are really keying in on you. I don't think they're going to bother trapping him, but maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's still nice to see that that was something that Stu could do. Um, you know, I think I think we saw quite a bit of 
Um, you know, just like ball movement improvement in that Miami, huh, in that Miami game, um, just rooted in, in Cade being able to, to be responsible and handle those traps. You know, we saw, I think, a good Bay game, um, a good Frank Jackson game, just because they were getting those open looks playing. Yeah, and I think three. also I think we did a pretty good job defensively that game, which Miami was extremely shorthanded, but I still felt like we did a good job of protecting the paint in that game, yeah, which was... I don't know if I'm going to I'm not saying we were, like, <laughs> like the 0304 Pistons, but I'm saying they did pretty good, even if it was against a bad team. I want to give props where props is deserved. I mean, I am at my wit's end with this team defensively from a schematic. I don't understand them overplaying every single pass. It's insane. To, like, they are regularly losing probably four five baskets a game yeah. to back cuts which has been a problem we've talked about since and last like, year <laughs> well they were they weren't this bad last year like they right now their default is playing above the level of the ball and part of it's just bad execution but like Hamidou Diallo for example is a player who is already a yeah. high stakes gambler and when Hamidou is gambling from a flat uh position and then he gambles on the pass like, okay, he has length to recover. When he is already, like, denying the ball and gambling, he can't recover. There's no, there's nobody in the league. Matisse Thibel is not recovering from these positions. So, like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like, they are full ball denying anytime somebody comes to a DHO, and it's not helping them. Mm-hmm. They are getting toasted. Um and they're getting toasted, even though, frankly, they have played a cupcake schedule recently of teams that have had players sit out on them. Like, they're not playing. Even, like, Miami is a very good team. And Miami is like, nah, we don't need to play Jimmy Butler Well, today. Jimmy, I think, is, Jimmy hasn't played in like, a couple in, weeks, so. Jimmy's got a sore bottom. Uh, all right. That, yeah. He is hurt. But, like, either way, the point is, these, these are games that you're not actually being pressured that hard and you are failing miserably on in many ways because of schematic choices outside the execution. So we can expand on that later, but it's, it's a problem. I don't really understand it. Uh, I've done a couple film breakdown things on the timeline during games. So it's just like, what the fuck were we doing? Like, I can't remember what game it was. Oh, it was the next game. Mm -hmm. It was the next game. Because Julius Randle has the ball uh, high above the elbow, like close to the tick mark on the sideline. And the Pistons double him. Uh, Kemba Walker is standing on the fucking Knicks logo, and Hamadou goes out to, like, tight mark him there. And then they get the skip to the back end where somebody's zoning up on two guys trying to cover the whole floor. And it's just like, this is clearly schematically Mm -hmm. the intent. We're doing this too often for this to just be players freelancing. Why are you guarding Kemba 36 feet yep. from the rim? You need to guard Kemba 30 feet like, from the rim. Hamadou's heels should be on the three-point line so that if Kemba gets the ball and takes a two like two dribbles to like try a like a pull-up two steps behind the line, you can contest that. If he wants to shoot from the logo, you let him fucking shoot from the logo. What are you doing? Why are we like if your heels are on the line? Hamadou can get his arms up. He can contest the pass from, like, break to break, right? The cross-field mm-hmm. pass. There's a chance he can get there. There's a chance that at least he makes, like, the pass like be a higher arcing lob instead of, like, a bullet across the line, and maybe you can let the zone guy on the back end get there. This is not helping yep. anybody. And, and that one is just, like, the most extreme example of what the fuck are we doing, guys. Uh, like, Julius Randle was awful that game. And that was, like, the easiest assist he had. Because we, by the way, we were doubling him with, I think, Sadiq Bey and Frank Jackson, <laughs> I, I want to say. Like, like no, that doesn't make sense. Because that would, it was probably Sadiq yeah, and Kojo. Kojo. But I can't remember who was on the floor. I know mm-hmm. Sadiq was one of them. Um, neither guy is taller than Julius Randle. So, like, you're doubling him far away from the basket. And he can just see over the double. <laughs> what are you doing? That's not smart. It was probably just they called a double team. It, and All right. Whoever was there was going to double team. But, I mean, that's... Uh, and Rex Kalamian is uh, the guy, the assistant, who's taken over for, for uh, um, Dwayne Casey when he's been out. By the way, I just hope that his family is okay, that he's okay. I don't know what the... Nobody knows what the story is behind that. Everybody hopes that it's not mm-hmm. something serious. Um, but Rex Kalamian is, like, the defensive guru. He's the guy... Um, 
he he worked with Casey on defense in Toronto. He was with the Clippers uh, under Doc Rivers running their defense. So like, this is supposed <laughs> to be him, in theory. That's running the like, and it's been worse in the games he's coached as the head coach. So like, guy, like, yep. what are we doing? <laughs> this, this is your like, thing. This you should yep. be noticing this. So, um, yeah, let's. Let's push on here, I guess. Um, ooh, a quick thing we missed. Uh, because of COVID, uh, everybody gets extra mm-hmm. hardship exemptions. The Pistons did not use theirs, as far as I know, today, yes. because they. it sounds like they got their stuff, uh, like they got noticed that guys are being held out late, because Woj only re- reported things at yep. like 6.30 yep. or 6. Um, so they have Czech Diallo, who, by the way, is like a 6.9... Um, very long arm. He's like, he's like, what if Hamadou Diallo could maybe play center? Is basically what it is. They're not related. I think they both are Kentucky guys, but they're not related. Um, but uh, he's just like, he's another like really long arm, like a seven foot four wingspan, six eight guy who plays center. He jumps, he dunks. Uh, he's our jumpy, jumpy guy, except we don't have any point guards to run pick and rolls with him. Uh, but he's so far the only hardship exemption, but you are now able to basically sign a hardship exemption. I think you're actually obligated to sign one for every player out starting with the second player. So, like, I think the Pistons are, like, required mm-hmm. to sign, like, at least two more guys uh, today. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the news so, came out at, what, like, 530 in the games at 730? <laughs> it's very hard to sign someone in yeah, the short I, I saw it while we were prepping for the pot at 6.30, an hour late. So, yeah, it would have been about, about 5.30. And the game tips yep. right now, basically. As we speak. Uh, so, let's let's get to our, uh, our last big topic here. We have seen, uh, in spite of a lot of injuries and noise, um, like 25 games now of Killian and K together, 20 games mm-hmm. of Killian and K together. What do you think long-term this partnership I mean, I still feel kind of the same as I've done as I've said up to this point in the year. I like them together. I think that's a lot of, you know, what can make a good backcourt we have in both of them. We have the Killian bringing kind of the defensive tenacity you can make up. Not that Kate is a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination. He's extremely good, but he can kind of take the more demanding matchup on the defensive end, and Kate can, you know, Kate can play with the ball, Kate can play off the ball. Offensively, I think Cade will fit next to anyone, but I think those two together. I I guess I can't put it into words right Let, now. Let's I break just, let's break I it like down. It. So so I think I think defensively we're we're both pretty high in it. I I don't think there's anybody really who's watching the game with like any kind of unbiased eye that should feel bad about them mm-hmm. defensively. Like they're both six five plus. They're both long armed. They're both strong. Like and they're both clearly like willing, active, able, intelligent defenders. Um, like I. I don't think it's egregious to say that there's there's the bones and and the like actually like a very easily projectable thing of being like this might be one of the like five best guard pairings defensively in the NBA sometime mm-hmm. in the future within the next couple of years. Like by the time both are on their second contracts, I think that's going to be the case. Um assuming that they're like both starting together. So let's let's break it down. When Cade has the ball in his hands, how do you feel? I mean, amazing. <laughs> Is that a question? I love it. <laughs> I feel excited. I, I feel erect when Kate has well, a lot of hands. What, what do you what do you what do you want to see? What are you seeing? What do you want to see from Killian when Kate has the ball in his hands? How do you how do you want to see him used? How do you see him being used? Um, I would say something that I wish we would see more is have him moving without the ball a little bit more, especially when you know Kate has the ball in his hands. That's the time when you make your back cuts. That's the time where you you know hit a screen and flare out for a jumper. That's the time when you should be making it work because Cade's going to find you. If you get open, Cade is going to find you more than anyone else on this team. So I wish we, which I think that's just more of a design of Casey's offense that, you know, there's not as much movement as personally I would like in the half court. I feel like it's a lot of sets. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think he's probably, now that Seku's gone, I think he's the most willing. Yeah, I think he is. And that's what I'm saying. It's one of the advantages I think that he brings to the floor. And like I, I honestly don't know how many opportunities he actually. Misses I would to say my boy Hami is probably beating him on the cuts, but <laughs> in terms of per thirty six, <laughs> I the, the the interesting the the difference I would say is that I think Hami is very good about like noticing there's an open lane and cutting. I think Killian is actually really good about like being the guy like when he's at the break, he's really good about cutting in and like tagging the corner defender, 
to like open up the corner. Like he makes a lot of cuts that are not cuts to score, but are like reads on this is how I open up things in the offense. I think he's I think he has probably um not the most cuts like to score. Like he's probably not the guy like if we were to go on um the stats and be stats and like look at guys who score off cuts, he's probably not the number one. But I think he's probably the guy who just makes mm-hmm. the most cuts on the team. Um and I've been very happy with him screening. So I I I don't necessarily know that he needs to increase his volume. I do think it's smart. I think actually I disagree with you in that I want to see him. Um, I don't want to see him shooting as much. I mean, movement. Yeah. We talked about it earlier, but like the the, I think there's they've run some stuff where it's like okay, Killian made his cut and now he's the guy flaring into the corner and he gets the shot clock grenade with four seconds left and like he has to put one up while he's like fading to the side. And well, I don't, I don't like think it right now. I don't think he's definitely um, not the you know the spot up shooter that you know a Rip Hamilton would be. He's not the person you want getting the ball with. You know, three seconds left, and he's got to put up a shot. But at the same token, that's also something that I want to see him develop into. And if this partnership is going to work, you know, Cade's going to have the ball a lot. Killian needs to be a good spot up shooter. <laughs> he's going to be the running mate. Well, spot ups, yes, but but like spot ups and shooting oh, off yeah. movement are different. like it's one thing to be the weak side spot up guy, but like there's been a lot of things, a lot of times where I'm like, you know what, it would have been really nice if Sadiq Bay had made that cut and was the guy flaring over there, like. um you know, Frank Jackson is the guy who does a lot of shooting off yeah. movement for this team. And, like, it works much better for him. And then it's like, okay, why didn't we run this for Sadiq? Sadiq's just, you know, lifting and sinking into the corner back and forth over on the other side. Why is Sadiq not the guy shooting off movement? That was something he can do a little bit. I mean, yeah, right now I definitely um, prefer Sadiq's taking yeah, so any, I think that's... any long-range shot. But I'm just saying more moving towards the future. Oh. And there's, you know, Frank Jackson was the specialist yeah, guy. But I'm just I, saying that's, that's this fair. is something that I want to see Killian develop into. Because that's what you see with good card pairings is one person has the ball and makes a move. The other person is getting to a spot where they can shoot it. You're looking at the Dame CJ. That's how they work. Well, so let's let's flip the question then. How do you feel and, and what are you seeing and what do you want to see when Killian has the ball while Cade's I mean, I feel like I've seen Cade be very comfortable without the ball. He's been – he's not been as aggressive as, you know, a, a Killian Hayes or even like I've talked about Hami going, going to the basket making cuts. I feel like he has the gravity to kind of sit at the three-point line. And wait until he gets a gets a pass. And if it's you know, if Killian is doing um, you know a pick and roll with Stu, and Cade is sitting in the corner and gets the pass off the pick and roll, I trust him to make you know a move towards the basket, especially if he's got a defender that's off his feet that's maybe going out to protect the three point line. So I feel like with you know the gravity that Cade is getting right now, not even what he's I would say fully deserved at this point in his career, especially the way he kind of slumped to start. But right now I'm I'm kind of fine with Cade the way he is playing. Uh, alongside Killian, I, I think Kate is somebody who can play off the ball with just about anyone. So <laughs> I have no no complaints, no qualms about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the only two things I would say is I think that he could do more as a screener. I don't think they've like really used him at all. Yeah. Is that? But uh, I think there's there's a little bit of like some of those actions where like uh, you know like the Steph Curry thing where it's like he's he's the pin down man and then he's the flaring guy. I don't think they try that much. Yeah, I, I would like I to ever... see. I can't you know, think of a time where I've ever seen from that him there. <laughs> with the Dwayne Casey team. Um, and the other thing is I would like to see him be a little more decisive playing off the catch. I think he's really, like, he's a threat off the catch, but what he likes to do most is, like, catch, yeah, think about survey, it. Yeah. go. And if he can learn, uh, Eli Brooks is the guy, uh, the Michigan guard, I think of most often with this. Eli has this lovely thing where he, he catches and throws it ahead of him, like, on the move. Like, anytime he's coming around like a DHO, He'll catch and just like throw it ahead is the first thing. He doesn't stop moving at all. And it's a wonderful thing for him because like he's not a great athlete. Uh, he's not a particularly great ball handler. So like he gets to a point where he can gather and finish like without ever dribbling mm-hmm. half the time. And those are like little tricks that I would think Cade would really benefit from because he's not, again, the most elite yeah, athlete. No. <laughs> now, his lack of athleticism has been vastly overrated because people. Uh, they don't understand, like, Cade is a really great functional athlete, and people don't understand that, like, having exceptional balance and being able to use your length and stuff is all part of athleticism, right? Like, you don't have to have Hami's first step to be a good athlete. It just mm-hmm. helps a lot. <laughs> uh, but, like, learning some of those little tips and tricks of how to be, like, how to play off ball and be decisive and, and you know, how to operate off dribble handoffs a little more, um, you know, get downhill a little more aggressively, I think would help in the long run. But like you, I think, you know, we've already seen, I think, pretty clearly what Killian 
handling the ball and getting it out to Cade looks like. I think we've we've struggled maybe a little more in yeah. the opposite. Um, you know, because basically because Killian hasn't been able to shoot as much, but um, and I mean some of the things you were talking moving about moving forwards. You got to remember, Cade's a rookie. He's twenty years old. Like some of this. He'll see the right. floor a little bit quicker next year, even later this year. Oh, and 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 for the record, I think is Killian still younger than Kate? I need to double check. I think Killian is That's still younger. Be close. Um, um, no, it's, it's close. It's it's, it's like within a hundred days, but I think. Yeah, it's not okay. even. It's like fifty days. Um, but like yeah, they're, they're both, both twenty. 20. <laughs> Neither is legally yep. able to drink, so uh, you know there, there's plenty of room. So I guess the last point I want to make before we both go mm. and watch this game, moving forward, let's say. Uh, let's let's say Killian becomes like the stable NBA player version of himself. Whatever mm-hmm. you think that is, are you willing to look at that player and be like, "Yes, this is the guy that I'll take into the playoffs"? Or are you thinking, you know what, that's not a pairing? You know, like maybe it's maybe it's fine, but it's not the pairing I want to see in the. I long think it's run. the perfect pairing. I, I mean, obviously it requires a lot of development on both of their parts, Killian especially. But I am someone who always loves having big guards that can defend, you know, one through three, one through four. And I think Killian can do exactly that. There's not a matchup that I've ever seen him have too much of a struggle with. So defensively, I'm I'm loving it. Offensively, yeah, there's probably a little bit more to be desired. But at the same token, I think Killian will make up for that as the time goes on. And look, it's... <laughs> I really like that pairing. And there's not many young pairings I like more than them, you know, going into this current NBA landscape. So... I, there's nothing I'd... Obviously, it's going to take a lot of growth, but the prospects we have currently, I think, are not matched by many teams. Going into this next year, we'll talk more about draft stuff going forward, but if I tell you there's you know, the point guard of the future and there's the power forward center unicorn of the future and you have the chance to pick one, are you comfortable enough with yes. Killian to pick the not center? Question. I mean, yes. that's just right. honestly just... That... That's Cade alone. <laughs> like, you need a big guy to go with Cade. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's okay. the question. That is, I think, the last thing I had on the docket today. So we are going to go watch the Pistons, who are not even really the Pistons, because they are ravaged by COVID, play another team, uh, is this the Heat again, that are also ravaged by yep. COVID. <laughs> COVID It's almost injuries. basketball. <laughs> Their big guys are out with actual injuries, but, yes, COVID as well. Yeah, but those yep. are normal, <laughs> kind of. Sore butt. I still haven't. I haven't actually seen the. Uh, I'm I'm kind of waiting for the the news on in the studies on like how COVID off seasons have affected injuries and stuff. We've definitely seen an uptick, but I haven't seen anything recent yet. So, I want to see the stuff for this season still. Anyways, yep. Pod for another day. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back hopefully sometime this winter break. I have time off for the first time in ages. So who knows? Anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> anything can happen alright we will see everybody bye later. guys goodbye today's music was made by Blank and Kit you can find a link to their music in the description